This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good evening, buddy, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast, brought to you as always uh, by the good folks at Bet Rivers. You can find it exclusively on the Bet Rivers Network. And remember, for all of your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey and Play Sugar House in Connecticut as we head towards this uh, holiday weekend, this uh, abbreviated week, and obviously with Thanksgiving upon us, there's a very big uh, football time. Um, we're going to get to emails here. Before I do, a couple of thoughts on football. Um, number one, there's been a lot of talk about how unpopular the MetLife playing surface is and how a lot of people around the league think that it is one that produces an extraordinary amount of injuries. I, I don't know if there's any statistics to back it up, but uh, it's something I think the Giants will look into because they have just had a rash. And uh, you, you have heard that time and again from players who find it to be a field they do not like very much at all. So maybe there's something there, maybe there's not. I don't know. Like I said, I have no statistical evidence to back it up, but there are. there's a lot of talk among players about the field being a, a dangerous one and not a good one uh, for players as, as far as injuries go. The, Jets, the Giants suffered a tremendous amount of injuries. Uh, they are not deep in some areas to begin with, and they are, are going to face the toughest part of their schedule starting on Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys in Dallas. Uh, with really uh, some very, very beat-up portions of their team. They are going to be very thin at some key positions, uh, and it's going to take a lot. It really is because uh, they're going to be relying on players who really shouldn't be playing these kind of games, to be honest with you, Uh, and they're going to have to get by that way. And it's going to put more pressure on a Barkley, more pressure on a a Daniel Jones, more pressure on key guys on the team to produce because they are going to be uh, very thin uh, in some areas. Uh, And I know it's funny, everywhere I go, the question I get asked the most is, um, should the Giants sign Daniel Jones? Should they commit to Daniel Jones? And frankly, I think it's one that they will take their time with. I don't want to make a rash decision about it. I don't think they do either. But I would say right now he's probably more on the negative side than the positive side at this juncture. I think he's going to have to do more as he get what he wants from the Giants. I, I, right now, I would not think they would uh, make him their future. Uh, as far as the Jets, it all comes back to the quarterback position. The quarterback has not handled things well. He has not handled criticism well. His comments after the game, which are always going to be highly scrutinized, were not wonderful. Bottom line is, as I tweeted earlier today, 
there comes a point almost in every, with very few exceptions, in every quarterback's career where everybody's doubting him. The coaches are doubting him. The players are doubting him. The fans are doubting him. The media is doubting him. Maybe even his own family is doubting him. At that point is where the quarterback has to stand up and prove he is up to the challenge, prove he belongs. Otherwise, he will wind up being somewhere else or he will wind up on the bench. I think Wilson has reached that stage right now because what has happened with this team is the team has gotten there quicker than they had figured. And now they can't allow the quarterback to hold them back. It's not fair to the other players. And the other players, now ironically, it's the wide receivers who have been vocal about it, not the defensive players, but the defensive players will begin to be get vocal about it. You can, you can count on that. And you can get a divided room with that kind of thing because their defense is playing great and played great yesterday. Gave up some yardage but never bent. Made plays when it needed plays. Made the fourth down stop when it needed it. Mosley's a terrific player. Made, made the, gets the sack when it needs it. Got a little help from the wind on the field. Goals okay. They were both playing in the same stadium yesterday, so wind was a factor. But they were both playing in the same stadium yesterday, and one quarterback made the win an excuse, and the other one played through it. That's not good. All right, Mike Friends has a podcast at gmail.com for the email. Send them there to the Mike Friends has a podcast at gmail.com. We'll get to as many as we can. There are, this is a very busy time, obviously, as we hit the holidays and you put football in overdrive. You have college basketball beginning. You have baseball free agency. Uh, you have a lot of stuff going on. You have Ohio State, Michigan this weekend as we culminate the regular season in college football. And if you look at it right now, the most logical, logical scenario is that you have either Ohio State or Michigan. I lean towards Ohio State. You have Georgia running the table. And then you have probably TCU and USC as the other two teams. And you know what that'll want, leave you with? That'll leave you with a Georgia U.S. Uh, Georgia Ohio State championship game, which would be a heck of a championship game. And right now, they're probably the two best teams. I think Georgia's a cut above. All right, here we go. As we said, emails. We'll get to as many as we can. Phil from Jersey starts us off. Would Verlander make sense for the Mets? Absolutely not. The Mets cannot put any more big money, deep money into old pitchers. They did it last year. They thought they could, it would get them and deliver them. And then when it came time to do it, neither Scherzer nor DeGrom pitched up their expectations. Having that much age and having guys who can't even give you full seasons anymore so now you have Verlander coming off a Cy Young Award year where he didn't pitch great in the World Series, but he never does. The bottom line is he's going to want a lot of money, turn down $25 million for one year, and he's 40 years old. I would not sign him from the Mets. Jason, 
uh, if Aaron Judge signed with the Mets, there would be would it rank in terms of going to a rival in baseball history? You know what? Uh, yes, the answer is it would be from a standpoint of leaving the Yankees and going to the Mets, it would be enormous. I don't think it's anything the Mets have any interest in. I, I do not think they are going to go in that route. First of all, they have a right-handed power hitter. Uh, they don't need another one on that level. Um, he's a wonderful all-around player, but I, I listen, I could see the Dodgers going to get him. I can see the Giants going to get him. I cannot see the Mets going to get him. That I cannot see. Mark from Hartford asks, um, with Coach K, Jay Wright, Roy Williams gone within a couple of years, who is the best active coach in college basketball? Well, in terms of seniority, uh, it would be Izzo. He'd be first. Also, he people like to utilize the NCAA tournament in the postseason as where they make their judgments about coaches. And in that regard, there's nobody who has done as good a job of elevating his team's status in the tournament, meaning moving them ahead in terms of seeding. Coaching above the seed more than Izzo has done. He's won one national championship, but he has taken many teams and advanced them a good bit in the NCAA tournament. He's been a very good NCAA tournament team. So he would have to be your guy. There's some good younger coaches there. There's some good developing coaches there. But if you're going to take those guys out of the list, if you're going to take uh, Coach K and Roy and, and, and Jay and take them off the list, then you're going to be left with Bill Self. You're going to be left with, obviously, uh, Coach Izzo. But I'd say Izzo would get the nod. Greg emails, you've done countless interviews over the years. To me, you and Dogs Steinbrenner interview back in ninety is my favorite. Uh, I was too young to listen back then, but have since, and it's as good as it gets. It was a. Uh, I don't know which one you're alluding to. If it was the one that angered him so much, that was more to be blamed on me than than it was on Dog. Um, but we had some good back and forth with us. And a couple of times he got very angry with us early on. But remember, it was George Steinbrenner who came up with the idea of Mike and the Mad Dog being on the Yes Network. No one else. They came to us. They were negotiating a new radio deal with him. And they said, listen, we need a quick answer on this. What do you guys want to be on the Yes Network every day simulcast. And we were like, what do you mean simulcast? They were like, well, you know what IMS is doing with MSNBC now? I said, yeah. We do it with you guys. Uh, but we need a very quick answer. Our first deal with them was not for a lot of money. Later deals with them were for a very significant amount of money. Um, but it was George's idea. It really was. So give him credit for it. He wanted Mike and the Mad Dog as part of the CBS radio contract, and we were. 
our our joining the Yes Network was part of the CBS radio contract. That's what it was part of. Uh, Jeremy on Long Island, I know you've been really hard on Beckham in the past. But how do you feel about the Giants bringing being interested in bringing him back? I think it's a mistake. I'll go out and be on the unpopular side of this right now. I know they just lost another wide receiver. They don't have a lot of wide receivers. So from that standpoint, getting a wide receiver, if it is at a reasonable sum for the rest of the season, I can't really knock it because you're getting it for nothing. You're not giving up a draft pick. It's not costing you anything outrageous. Now, if it's costing you a big contract down the road where you have to pay him for a couple of years, then I wouldn't go near it. He's hurt two years in a row. He's never been committed to anything. He uses teams right and left. So to me, I wouldn't go near him. But if, like I said, if it is a very short-term, cheap rental, I, there's no way I can't say he doesn't make them better if he's healthy because it's not costing you anything to get him. So from that standpoint, there's no way to argue it. But if I have to give up anything of value – or give him any long-term deal or anything, then I don't want. Then I want no part of it. I do not think he will be a major factor for them going forward. Um, Andrew, what is an alternative career that you that you think you would have excelled at if you never got into broadcasting? Um, I've been asked that a lot. My mother thought I should be a lawyer. I never really wanted to be a lawyer because I didn't want to go to school anymore. Plus, I didn't. I found the kind of reading you had to do as a lawyer tedious. I like to read what I want to read. I don't like to read what I don't want to read, if you understand that. I like to read, and I read a lot of books, no fiction. I read a lot of you know, articles in ma- magazines and different things and uh, look at a lot of different things, but I don't like to do it if I have to. Uh, so stuff I don't have any interest in, I don't really like to read. And I think as a lawyer, you have to read so much stuff. I, I wouldn't have liked that. Uh, I would have said a coach. I, I think I would have liked to be a coach myself. I think I, I, I really would have, uh, would have loved to be a coach, to be honest with you. I, there's a, there was a lot of that in my blood. It really was. Um, so I, I think that would have been a very logical uh, uh, way for me to go. Ben uh, emails, not any kind of expert in uh, physiology or turf science, but there are years. Uh, oh, here's a question about, the, uh, about what I just said about MetLife Field. This has come up a lot. It's come up more this weekend again. The players have been very critical of the field. I would at least look into it. I don't know that there's any numbers that back it up, but I would at least uh, look into it. Kai from Queens, with the recent hire of just Saturday, it was suggested by some league pundits that this may be a sign of things to come. Do you believe that more owners around the league will follow the Colts' lead with this type of hire? No, I don't. I think this was a unique hire. Ursay and Saturday are very close. They're very close friends. Um, I believe they even socialized together from what I understand. That's what I've been told. I don't know that firsthand, but I, I've been told that. So I don't want to act like I know that from firsthand knowledge. I don't. I've heard that, that they socialized together. But I know they're very close. Uh, he was a very good player who played on winning teams, 
who played obviously in close proximity to great players, including Peyton Manning. Um, they offered him to come to the team as a coach for many years. He turned it down. Uh, the avenue he took irked a lot of coaches. I understand that. Now, the comical part of this is he got rid of a good coach in Reich. Everyone knows that Reich is a good guy and a good coach. They fought over the idea of benching Matt Ryan. Ursay wanted Matt Ryan banished. Never going to play again. What happened? As soon as he got the criticism for Saturday, what did he do? He put Matt Ryan back in and won the first game and came within a point of beating the Eagles on Sunday. They're going with Matt Ryan now, which was the real issue with he and, 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 and Reich, from what I understand. So I don't get it. But listen, he's the owner. He's allowed to act irrationally. But do I think this will cause this to be a new wave? I do not. And then coaches will come from the same place they've always come from. Uh, who, I guess it would be which, or what was, or which was. Which, he says, who was the best college basketball team that you've seen play? It would be uh, uh, what was the best college, or which was the best college basketball team that I've seen play. I thought the best team ever was, and I'm going back a ways now, most college historians will tell you that it was the Jabbar Jr. year team, Jabbar Jr., that was the best team ever. Um, I think you would have to put Kareem on the team that was the most dominant team ever. He won 88 and two and won three national championships and he won three most outstanding players. Um, he was a complete force in every game that he played in. Uh, so I think it would have to include Kareem. So you could take your pick as to which of the Kareem teams they all won. But most historians will give you the UCLA junior year. Tommy wants to know, how would you assess LeBron currently as an NBA player? Uh, still a very good one. No longer the dominant player in the league, obviously, injury prone and getting older. No longer the defensive player that he was. He was a great defender, no longer a great defender. Um, he is still able to score. But his minutes have to be reduced. His defensive uh, abilities have to be looked at in a different light. And I think you have to let him play some minutes now where you take the ball out of his hand. He's still at his best when he's got the ball in his hand because he is a brilliant distributor of the basketball. So when he can drive to the basket, and sometimes that produces him on the foul line, which isn't always the best either because he's not the best free throw shooter. But when he can have, and it's funny because the Lakers have none of this on their team, but when you can surround him with terrific perimeter shooters, especially three-point shooters, and allow him to have the middle open for himself and to dish or to drive, uh, that's lethal offense. No team's going to be better offensively than that team. 
and he goes to the basket and he'll score most of the time because he'll just overpower the person or dunk or lay it in off him or get fouled. Or he will dish the ball for a three to the open guy because he'll see the open guy and he'll make the perfect pass. Uh, that's when he's at his absolute best. But the other thing he is is he's also a superb rebounder when he needs to be, but he's actually a better passer. But he's no longer the all-around player that he was. He's not the best player in the league anymore. Uh, he's in his later years, but I would expect him this year to be traded because the Lakers are going to get nothing out of him. He's not going to the playoffs with this Laker team. The Lakers need to recoup some draft picks and, 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 get, and young players and get the team rebuilt. So I would trade him off. There's been rumors about the Suns. Uh, I would trade him off to a team that's going to make a deep run because that is the most logical place to put him for the better, betterment of the NBA. Joseph emails, given the Giants' home letdown to Detroit and their tough stretch of games, uh, at what point do you start to worry about their conference record for the playoffs? Uh, I'd be worried about everything with the Giants right now. The Giants are going to go into a very strong part of their schedule. Uh, they have won by the slimmest of margins. They have made plays when they had to. They have not turned the ball over, which they did this week against the Lions. They have gotten very, very good coaching, and they've played very good situational fourth-quarter football. The fourth quarter has been their strength. They've come from behind five times this year in the fourth quarter. Um, they trailed in all but one of their wins this year. Um, they've gotten enough of a cushion where they have a good chance to make the playoffs. It would have been a lot better, a lot better had they beaten the Lions. Now, if they couple that with a loss this Thursday to Dallas, which they're right now an eight-point underdog against a team that played its best game in a while against Minnesota on Sunday and matches up well against them anyway, um, should they lose to the Giants now? They're going into a very tough part of their schedule of back-to-back losses with key injuries. And, hey, they still have to play Washington twice, which will not be easy. They have to play the Eagles twice, which will not be easy. You know, these are, these are tough games now. And every win is going to be hard to come by, every single win. There are no soft touches left on that schedule for the Giants. Craig and Wayne. Just wondering your take on this whole FTX mess. Uh, I dabbled. The guy who got me into crypto, and it was only in a very, very small way, was Mark Cuban. I made an investment in Ethereum. It went up, and I doubled my money. I kept it in there as it came down and I got out making a profit, but not nearly the double I had in the beginning. But again, I didn't put a lot of money in. Uh, it went up because Ethereum went up to $4,000, uh, you know, at, at one point. Um, that's the only one I bought. I dabbled in a couple of, of these crazy ones that are like, you know, one gazillionth of a cent. I bought a couple of dollars worth of those 
but they didn't really go anywhere. Uh, that was just, you know, for fun. Um, but I, I, I wasn't really a big crypto player, uh, unless you are someone who has extreme, extreme disposable income. And it is only in my word, play money, meaning that it's money you can lose. It's recreational money even, or you're very wealthy and you don't care about that stuff. Then you can be playing in crypto right now, but nobody who has to watch their finances in any way, meaning you're comfortable and you have your, you know, investments, whatever it may be, you should not be anywhere near crypto right now. It is way too dangerous and way too volatile. And we still don't understand enough about where it's going, but it has taken a severe hit here and it has made the, Warren Buffett's and Charlie Munger's of the world look very good because they were dead set against it, especially Munger from the beginning, uh, you know, calling it the biggest scam of all time. And Munger looks very, very strong on that right now. Mike emails, have you paid attention to the Musk uh, Twitter story? Yes, I have. Um, I visited Twitter when I first joined because I was a reluctant joiner for many years. And I went and visited the place when I started there. And people were great. I mean, it was a great place to work. They were wonderful to their employees. You know, they made you lunch. They took care of your dry cleaning. They had coffee. They had this. It was a great setup. It really was. Beautiful office in the city. Um, he's come in and upset the apple cart, no question. He is a very bright man with a lot of successes underneath. Remember, he has a lot of success already. He's had successes in, you know, fintech. He's had success there. He's obviously made an incredible amount of money, although he's given some back now with Tesla, which has, you know, hit the downs like many, many tech. I mean, even the... Even the gold standard tech stocks, Apple, Amazon, Google, have taken a severe hit in the last six months. You know, Amazon, which I have been a huge proponent of uh, and have done very well with and has been a core holding of mine, as has NVIDIA. Both of them have taken severe hits this year in the market. Um, I mean, you've still made a huge profit over the, over the long run, but still it has come down to earth. A lot of them have. Uh, the good ones will come back. Those companies I mentioned, Amazon, Google, NVIDIA, uh, Apple, uh, any of those, as long as you're patient, they will be coming back and coming back strong. But it will take years because they clearly have tried to expand way, especially in Amazon, has expanded way too quickly and has way too many employees for what the current economic situation is. And they've admitted that, and they're cutting back now, as are many of these companies. Um, I think it has impacted, I think his Twitter flirtation and our ownership has uh, hurt, has hurt uh, Tesla. He's a man now who's divided in a lot of places with a lot of different projects, including his space stuff. He is clearly a genius. I don't think anybody can dispute that. 
he sees things that none of us see. Uh, but the Twitter situation is a mess right now, and the verification system that he came up with was absurd. And it didn't work because it wasn't verifying anything. For eight dollars, you could be anybody. And you saw what happened with Eli Lilly as an example. So there's a lot of problems there. So right now, I'd say the Twitter thing is a very big mess that needs a lot of uh, handle with care. And be very careful. I would, uh, I, no one's investing in Twitter right now, but I would be very careful about Twitter going forward right now because the things are in a very chaotic state. As we said, we will do the podcast that we usually do on a Football Friday. We will do it on Wednesday this week. It will be up on Wednesday so that we get all the Thanksgiving games in there, all that stuff. The you know picks that they put up each week on Bet Rivers uh, will be up on Wednesday, I'm sure, rather than Friday this week. So if you look forward and follow those, we've had a good year there so far. Um, that will be up. Uh, same thing. We'll have everything up on Wednesday rather than Friday this week so that we get you ready for the holiday and everything else. And then we'll do something on Ohio State, Michigan later in the week and probably on what is the outcome of the Giant game. Although, hey, the Giants are really going into this game limping. I mean, they are going in in a very – they were going to have a hard time winning in Dallas. Anyway, they – don't match up very well with the Cowboys right now, but the Cowboys are coming in with uh, a head of steam and the Giants are limping in in a very big way. So they have a lot, a lot to uh, overcome this week. I mean, it will take a, uh, a big effort, a Herculean effort this week to get this done. It's not going to be easy by any stretch. Um, we will talk to you on Wednesday. So we will see you again before the big holiday. So uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.